Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge, presented by Curriculum Track, a brief retreat from your daily routine to explore the latest thinking and practices from faith-based educators and instructional leaders from all over. Join us as we swap innovative ideas geared towards promoting your school's mission, and we'll keep the conversation as fresh as you like your coffee. Let me welcome Ashton Tate to the Teacher's Lounge today. Ashton is from Franklin, Tennessee. And he's the founder of Glory to Glory Fitness and creator of the Form Curriculum. He joins us on the podcast today to talk to us about physical education and health education as a topic, but also to share some of the resources that he has developed for faith-based schools. I'm excited to share his insights and passion for this area of study with the Curriculum Track Network. So welcome, Ashton. It's great to have you today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is fun. You've created a curriculum resource for health education. We want to unpack that a little bit later on, but I thought we'd start with the hook, let you give an elevator pitch of what that curriculum is and what it looks like. Tell us about your curriculum and some of the highlights of it. Yeah, so we have an online platform called The Form Curriculum that is a turnkey physical education and health education curriculum. So it has animated videos, it's got nutrition challenges, it's got devotional guides, it's got movement challenges, helping students cover all the standards, learn everything that they need to about health and PE, but really help them build a solid foundation when they're young so that they can continue in those things when they graduate and as they get older. So there's all the lessons that they need, but it's really about helping them to actually learn and apply more and more as they get older and they walk through their journey at school. Yeah, it's been awesome. Great. So by turnkey, you mean a teacher could literally download this material and use it. It's ready to go with their students of any age. What are the age grade levels? Yeah, so it's K through 12 and everything is done for the teachers. So they would have their own login and then we sit down with the teachers. I kind of think of it as curriculum as a service. It's not like a, hey, you're going to buy this this one time and then you're never going to hear from us again. So we actually sit down with the teachers at the school and then look at their schedule. We work with really big schools, we work with really small schools, and then help them to implement it and fit it into their schedule. All the content and everything is completely done for them, and we help them to plug it in to take work off of the teachers and then give the students really engaging and fun material. Yeah. yeah. Lots to unpack there, so we'll spend a few minutes later on talking about that. But let's talk about the need or the problem that you're trying to help faith-based schools especially work through or address as a result of these resources. Let's maybe the philosophical side, why are you doing this? What are you trying to help schools do? I can share a little of my story too, and then share a little bit of what our mission is and what we're doing. When I was in junior or so year of high school, I was actually almost 300 pounds, just really struggled with health for years, was pre-diabetic, horrible acid reflux. I played all the sports. I did all the stuff you were supposed to do as a kid. I moved a lot, but my PE teachers never really taught. Here's how you actually apply all these things that you're learning. It was just all this information. And it was like, I don't know what to do with all this. As I kept researching stuff, and there's so much stuff out there. I mean, you can Google health, you know, how to be healthy. And there's so many different opinions. It's just really confusing. Not all of them are good, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Not all of them are correct. Even later when I went to school for all this, one textbook said one thing, another certification said another thing. Even the experts can't agree on this stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, what do I do? A lot of my issues had to do with just self-control and with what I was eating. So I just asked God for help. And he helped me to lose over hundred pounds. And I started growing in him and started getting with leaders, getting the word more and just started taking care of myself. And I started maintaining that progress and people started asking for help. It was really cool what God was doing. And COVID hit, we'd had gym and trainers just applying biblical principles to health for adults and just amazing results. It was really cool, but it was like, man, COVID hit. And so we had to go fully online, which ended up not being too bad for us. We made everything better and the results were even better. We were helping people in their 40s and 50s and 60s 
they were getting great results, but every single one of them were like, hey, wow, this is really simple, great stuff. Nobody ever taught me this. I wish I would have learned this when I was in high school. We were working with business leaders a lot of the times, and one of the main determinants or precursors of their success was playing sports. They all had a really hard work ethic from playing sports or whatever they were doing. Some of them were just in high school. Some of them went on to do stuff in college. I played sports, but then once I was done with the sports, I had no idea how to maintain and how to take care of myself because everything in their health was anchored to sports. So once they didn't have that, they ended up having three kids and they have a full-time job or a business or whatever, and they didn't know what to do. And so just felt like God told us that we weren't really fixing the root issues and the root problems of why our health in America is the way that it is. And so we felt like he told us to create resources for kids and for students. I heard a stat that really kind of spurred us to do this. It was on the CDC's website of a study that they did that said that by the year 2030, so seven years from now, 86.3% of adults will either be overweight or obese on a BMI scale. And the study goes on to show, and it's based on just trends over the past 30 or so years. It's just plotting graph points of what's happening. And I was just like, that's insanity. It's just crazy. So we decided to make this curriculum. I didn't really work a ton with kids, but one of the pastors at my church, he writes a ton of curriculum for Lifeway, a lot of their main curriculum. And so I was like, hey, can you help me? Can I hire you to script all of this out to help to teach these principles to kids? So we created a whole curriculum to help students to learn the foundational principles and things while they're young so that they can serve God and serve others better and do all that they're called to do. So the main kind of mission for what we're doing with the form curriculum and with Glory to Glory Fitness is quality health education for every student in America. How can we help kids? Because I believe the way to change the health of our nation and the health in America, these trends, I believe the real way to change these is to impact and equip the next generation. If each generation continues to not be taught these things, and just checks off the box of physical education. It's not as important. It doesn't really matter. Just cover the information. Oh, it's just an elective. If we continue to treat health education like that, and they don't get these quality materials and actually apply the materials into their day-to-day life, we're going to continue to get worse. And so that's really what we're about. It's just making sure that every student has the materials and the equipping that they need. They may not make the choice to do it. It's not easy. But we want to make sure that everybody has that even playing field and has the resources for that. Lots unpacked there. That's great information. I feel like we just jumped into the deep end. Back up just a little bit and kind of break that apart. I love the fact that this comes from not only your own personal physical journey, but your own personal spiritual journey as well. And you mentioned prayer. And when you said that, I think my mind went, I think it's in James where James tells us, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So this is something that God is interested in. He can lead us to truth and he can guide us as we're trying to understand these things. Why were you inspired to go that route? What caused you to say, hey, I need help. God, help me here. At first, I kind of did it for the wrong reasons when I was in high school. I had a crush on this girl, as high school boys do. (laughs) And I was like, man, I'm going to lose weight to impress this girl. That was the main. Honestly, it was that and being tired of being made fun of. So those were the two main first reasons. And then as I started doing it and losing the weight and I started seeing how good I felt, started seeing how much more confident I was. I started seeing how much more energy I had for the day. And at the same time, I started really growing in my relationship with the Lord and getting with leaders and getting all that stuff like I was saying. So it merged those two things. It ended up being where God was like, wow, this isn't my body. God has given me this body to steward so that I can do all that he's called me to do. God kept speaking to me. If I steward my body in the way that he's created it, because it's designed in the same way a car was designed by the manufacturer, My body is designed in a specific way to be able to 
be a vehicle to do what I'm called to do in this life. And so if I partner with it and I take care of it in that way, then I'm going to be able to do those things. Now, again, there's stuff that happens and we live in a fallen world and there's disease. Sometimes there's people that are super healthy that just get dealt a bad hand and that's going to happen. But most of the time, if we take care of our body in the way it was created and we partner with that, usually we're going to have everything that we need there. At first, it was for those immediate, maybe not the right reasons, but it ended up, you can usually get quick and I didn't get quick results, but you can usually get results at first for surfacey and wrong reasons. But mm -hmm. the sustainability of what you're doing, you're never going to sustain it if you don't have some of these other uh, bigger reasons that are bigger than yourself. As you sustain that, as you experience success in your own personal life, your friends, people who were aware of your journey started asking for your help, right? And that kind of pushed you into this area of coaching, doing some fitness coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't want to be, if you would have told me I'd be in health, let alone health and education, if you'd have told me that when I was in high school, I probably would have laughed at you. This isn't what I grew up being like, I want to have a curriculum. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a SWAT officer and just bust down doors. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Obviously, that's not what I'm doing, but a lot of it was just obedience. The Lord had worked all these things out and people started seeing that I was maintaining my progress and started asking for help. And I was like, sure, I'll tell you what I'm doing. And then I had started getting with leaders and getting more counsel and just having people speak into my life. And they were like, hey, have you ever thought about getting certified and actually starting to help people? It seems like God's doing something here. And I was like, that might be a cool way to make some extra money because I was making $8 an hour at Starbucks at the time. And so it was like, cool, I can make $25 an hour. So I did that. And then it just kept growing and kept growing. And people started getting, I mean, my first two clients that ever hired me, they both lost about 100 pounds too. So it was like, all right, cool. People just kept asking for help. And that's how Glory to Glory Fitness was formed through people asking you to help them and you pursuing that. I think that's important when we think about curriculum development. I think teachers want to know that the curriculum is coming from a research-based space, data-driven, but also that the people writing it know what they're talking about and have lived it, not just with themselves, but have helped other people be successful. So I think that's a really powerful testimonial as well. How many people have you worked with in the last few years when it comes to coaching and fitness? Gosh, hundreds. And we've created a bunch of resources that we give away and sell. And now with the curriculum, there's thousands of students. It's a lot because, yeah, I totally see what you're saying. The health industry is just so messed up in a lot of ways now. Anybody can be certified as a personal trainer. Again, not that trainers are bad. It's just like right. you could go online right now and get certified. There's so much stuff out there that isn't research-based. For me, when I'm looking at anything that I want to implement in health or that I want to help a client with, there's three lenses that I put it through. One, research-based, right? That we have to have an evidence-based approach to it because if the research isn't solid on it and the science doesn't back it up, then it's probably not going to work. So there's that. Two is the biblical aspect of it right? Am I thinking rightly about this, right? There may be something that's scientific. There's studies that show that this is going to work and get me where I need to be, but maybe I'm doing it for the wrong reasons, or maybe I'm not thinking rightly about it. To have sustainable health, transformation comes by the renewing of the mind. And so if we don't change the way that we're thinking about it, we don't let God help us with that. It's not going to be sustainable. You may do something for a couple months, six months, even a year, but five years from now, 10 years from now, we're not going to be able to sustain that progress because we're not thinking about it right. So biblical aspect slash how we're thinking about it, two, that's one, scientific and data-driven approach, that's two. And then number three is historical evidence. A lot of people, when we're thinking about health or just anything nowadays, we don't look past 
the last 10 years. Oh my gosh, look at all this new stuff and look at what we're doing. This is not how people did it. And so it's really looking at history, what people have done, what that's resulted in, and then how that's different than what we're doing now. It's having that full picture rather than getting super tunnel visioned for right now. So those are the three lenses that whenever I'm looking at something in health, I want to make sure that it checks all three boxes. It may be different for each person to check those boxes. It may look a little different for each person and each principle. So that's what we try to do with the curriculum. And when we were helping adults is making sure that we have a balanced approach because you can go out and you can get healthier, you can do the stuff and there's evidence quote unquote on it. But if you can't sustain it and if you're not thinking about it, right, it just won't matter. Yeah. Let's go back to those stats that you mentioned, 2030 and the health crisis that seems to be on the horizon. Some of us are maybe a little ahead of the curve when it comes to that stat, but that kind of underscores the need to do more than what we've been doing when it comes to training students on how to think in a healthy way and to act in a healthy way. What do you think are some of the other feeders into that problem for students today? You mentioned one, students go from playing high school sports to going to college, they gain the freshman 15. We talk about the COVID-30 or whatever it was. Some of us are still struggling with that. But there's other things that feed into that health crisis that students are facing today. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. First of all, there's so much information out there. If you don't know what you're talking about, the education, I got certified and all that stuff when I first started, but then I went to Arizona State University and got a full four-year degree in health and nutrition, all these things that we're teaching. There's so much information out there. You can go on Google right now and type in how to be healthy or diet something or how to lose weight or how to whatever. And it's not all about weight loss. It's just about being healthy. Millions and millions and millions of results pop up. And it's just so confusing. And sometimes the more information you have, the less you actually apply. So that's for adults, but that's also for students. I get we got to cover the standards and we have to cover all the things, which is important and they need to know the knowledge. But if that's where we stop and it's just, okay, cool, I checked off this box, cool, they can graduate, we're doing them a serious disservice because we're not actually helping them to apply what they're learning. And if we're not helping them to actually apply what they're learning, as soon as the teacher is gone, the coach is gone, the sport is gone, they're not going to have any ownership over it. And so they're not going to continue. And I think a lot of it starts in school because we just have a huge lack of priority with health education. It's one of the first subjects to go when we don't have a teacher to teach or when we have something happen. It's this elective thing that maybe we cover every other year and they have some PE in elementary school, which is usually just a glorified recess of playing games, which again, it's fine. All that stuff is good, but it's not full. It's not the full approach that's helping them and planting those seeds to help them raise up. So it's not as important. There's no ACT or SATs on health and physical education and applying this stuff that colleges don't care at all about it. The system is messed up, but nothing is incentivized. Right. Even if you have a really great program, I talked to a lot of coaches, a lot of teachers, and we do an amazing job. We have these great weightlifting programs. They're super fit. They're out running a mile. That's awesome. That's so great. You're over the curve than a lot of people. Yeah. If you're not teaching them how to do that outside, everything is anchored and centralized around you. So as yeah. soon as you're gone, they're not going to continue in that stuff. We want to teach them how to build the habits outside of the class and think rightly about that stuff so that when they don't have, I call it decentralized health education. And so how can we help these kids actually do the things that you're teaching them, not just here's this 400 page book, let's learn this stuff and let's check off these boxes and take these tests and quizzes and they forget about it five minutes later. But let's actually help them to apply these things. 
it's not just for this class. We're not just learning this for the test. We need to apply this beyond the class. We need to take this into our life. So what are some of the lifetime takeaways that you hope students will glean from your curriculum as you've prepared it for teachers to use? One of the main ways that you help students have a lifetime takeaway and actually continue in it is helping them to understand why. For example, I was horrible at math in high school. Really bad. <laughs> they put me in the, I think it was called finite math or something. You just need to get this to graduate. I took that class and I was horrible at it. And I still didn't do good in that class. And then I graduated and I started taking accounting one and two. I started taking all these other business finance classes because I have a minor in business as well. A's in all of them every single one of them, because I knew why I was doing it. This isn't just some X and Y and what the heck do I need to do this for? I'm never going to do this in my real life. That was my thought. When am I ever going to use this? Once I started actually seeing, oh, here's how this would relate to money, or here's how this would relate to X, Y, and Z. Here's how it's going to help me in my everyday life outside of taking this test. That's when I started crushing it. So for kids and for what we're doing, we have to help them to understand why they're doing it. That's why in the curriculum, we talk about the biblical principles behind all of this. This is not my body. This is God's body that he's entrusted and given to me, and I am a steward of it. In the same way that we're stewards of money, in the same way that we're stewards of our cars or our houses or our families or our kids or whatever it is, it's the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. It's understanding that and then going to the Lord and asking, Lord, this is your body. Here's the things that you've called me to. Give me your wisdom and help me and give me the grace to take care of it. Now, we're not going to be perfect yeah. and it's going to look different in every season. And that's okay. We talk about getting a vision and a conviction of why we need to be healthy and anchoring that to the things that are important to our life that we're called to. We talk about having community and partnership around us so that we can have the right people speaking into our lives. We talk about social media and not comparing ourselves to other. We talk about body image and all those different types. And those are just a couple of things, but it's really helping students to apply and think rightly about what they're learning. So yeah, we talk about all that. Everything that we teach is all about applying. We talk about the history behind things. We talk about how this is applying to our day-to-day -day life and all those things. I think that's a lot of how we help them sustain. Yeah, I think that relevance is so important. Finding relevance. Why am I learning this? That's one of the questions that we drive in curriculum development and for biblical integration especially is just ask the question, why would God want us to learn this stuff? And I'll tell you, when I was in PE class in elementary and high school, I miss that. Why do I have to learn the skills of basketball? I am not going to be a basketball player. Yeah. That's just not me. Why do I have to climb the rope? That is not important to me. Yeah. So PE was not my favorite class because it wasn't relevant to me. And yet what you're sharing, why is this important to God? Why is this important to our ability to glorify him? Well, it's probably not very easy to bring glory to God if we're a couch potato, right? If we're living a sedentary lifestyle, if we're filling our bodies with junk food, probably not able to bring glory to God to the extent that we should or we could. Mm -hmm. Let's see our body as an instrument for God's glory. I think that's so powerful. Yeah. Let me ask you a question that might get into the hot water area of this conversation. How many days of PE a week do you think a typical student should have? If you were in a perfect world, how often should students have PE? I think it depends on the age. I'll use an example from when I was training. When I would train people, they pay per session. So every time they come in to see me, I make money. Most trainers, it's like, come and see me 12 times a week. I had some clients that would come two or three times a week because it was helpful to just have someone to tell them to do. They liked the community. That's fine. But for most of my clients, I would just suggest, hey, just come once a week. And my whole goal with that session was not them coming in and me just destroying them while they were in there. 
the whole point of that session was equipping them and making sure that they're doing what we're talking about outside of the class. If they come to me one time a week for one hour, it's such a small percent of their week. My goal was to equip them and empower them and coach them to, hey, when we're outside of this, here's what we're eating every day. Here's the other days that we're going to move and what we're going to move and what we're going to hit with those. Here's how we're sleeping. Here's how we're all these different things. I think honestly, ideally for physical education, it's not about how many days you have the class. Because at the end of the day, like we've been talking about, even if they come five days a week, mm -hmm. but they're not applying it outside of the class, it doesn't matter. They could come every day and we're doing push-ups and we're doing sit-ups and we're running miles and we're doing all this stuff, which again is good. And I think that's a part of it. But at the end of the day, as soon as they're done with that class, they're not going to keep doing that. Again, it depends on the day and what your schedule looks like. But I would say ideally, even if it's one or two days, how can we let that time where they're coming in on that one day be all about equipping them, teaching them, all that stuff, but then helping them to have things that they're doing at home where they're having movement challenges that they're doing at home and they're having to do it in their own setting on their own time and schedule that time out, take ownership over it. They're doing different nutrition challenges where they're having to make their own meals with some simple frameworks that help them to do that. They're having to journal their sleep and make sure that they're doing that and putting away the phones at night. How can we help them to be equipped during that one class period to do it the rest of the week when they're not with us? That's what I would say the ideal approach would be. The more you can have it, I think the better. But at the end of the day, I would rather you have it one time a week and really hone in on that and coach them so that they're doing it and building the habits than five times a week and they're not doing any of that. Well, I think that coaching mindset really comes through there too, where it's like, what are we training our students to do for themselves as mm -hmm. opposed to forcing them to do under our supervision? I will say I was astounded that I'm doing some research, some brain research or some research into the research and finding the importance of physical exercise for the development of the brain and development of memories. Then I ask myself, why are elementary schools only having PE one day a week if we know that physical exercise is so closely related to brain development and development of memories and learning. So there's that component of it that would say, hey, you need to have PE more often than less, which I think you totally. would probably agree with. But I like the perspective that you share too, which is ultimately we want to coach our students to embrace this for themselves. And your mm -hmm. curriculum does that, right? Some of the guides that you've prepared help teachers guide their students into the embrace of a healthy lifestyle. Share with us a little bit more about your curriculum, some of the details, uh, features, and components of your curriculum, if you don't mind. Yeah, all of the lessons, any of the content, all of it you can have. We give teachers links so they can send home with the students. Any of our movement videos, we have a warm-up, a cool-down, and then a movement circuit. It's just simple functional motor movements that they can do, and they can do it anywhere. So they could do it in their living room, in a garage, outside, or whatever. You can send those resources home with them so that they have a structure and they can follow along with that in their own setting. So there is coaching and guidance, but they're still having to do it in their own time. So we have our nutrition challenges. It's a short animated video. Nutrition is one of the hardest things about health in these days. It just gets really confusing. And so we made a framework that I've been teaching to adults for years and years. It's so simple and it breaks down every meal that they need to be eating or a snack or whatever into four really simple categories that they need to get. As long as they get each of those four categories with each meal, and it's from a really good quality source, they're set. And so we give them that to take home and they make their own snacks, they make their own meals, they help prepare and make a meal. 
if they're eating out, they can use that. If they're eating at school, there's a flyer and things that you can put up in the lunchroom that, hey, it's mealtime. Make sure we get these four categories as we're making our choice. Now, again, they have to go and make the choices. <laughs> you can't force them to do it, but we have stuff like that. We have assessments as they're starting these habits and you can do different challenges like, hey, this week we're focusing on trying to get some movement outside of class. This week we're focusing on the nutrition aspect. This week we're focusing on the sleep and rest aspect where they have to journal sleep and show how many hours of sleep they're getting and stuff like that. Then this next week, they put them all together. So that's kind of that progression. Then we have an assessment where they can come into class and they can fill out. It takes two, three minutes. And it's not about tracking there's an academic assessment, but when I was assessed a lot of times in PE, it's like, how many push-ups can you do? How flexible are you? How many pull-ups you can do? I remember in middle school, we were taking this assessment and it was, how many pull-ups can you do? We're in sixth grade. <laughs> Nobody could do a pull-up. <laughs> Literally, there's this one kid that did three and he was this little skinny athletic kid. So we took that at the beginning of the year. And then at the end of the semester, we took it again and still nobody could do any of it. What the heck could we measure? What's the point of that? It just made us all feel more and more dumb. It was like, yeah. I mean, that perpetuation of defeat and failure, yeah. that totally explains my experience with PE. How high can you get off the bottom knot on the rope? I can remember, I could maybe get two inches off that bottom knot. And then you're comparing yourself with that one kid in the class who can go all the way to the top. Totally. It's just ridiculous. It teaches you to hate physical yeah. development and physical growth because you're comparing yourself against the wrong standards. Yeah. We have teachers that have different things that they do and that's fine, but we primarily like to assess the habits that they're creating and the consistency. So it's not how many pushups can you do or how amazing was your workout? It's how many times this week did you move? How many times this week did you get in one of our movement sessions for 30 minutes? And they can track that. And then for nutrition, and with hydration, how many days per week did you get at least half your body weight in ounces of water for sleep? How many days this week did you get seven to eight hours of sleep? It's tracking the consistency and the habits, not the, I just ran eight miles and I'm an amazing athlete. That's fine. But a lot of what we do is we track the habits and then it'll report so you can see that class, kind of what they did and where the average is at. Then that allows us to hey, it looks like people are struggling a little bit with this habit or with these certain things. So you can intentionally fill in the gaps with what they're doing, not just at the beginning of the year, but in the middle of the year. And then at the end, you can see the transformation and stuff there too. So that's a lot. Yeah. We have so much stuff that we send home. I love that component. If you're going to have homework, and that's a big debate, should we have homework? Should we not? If you're going to have homework, please have PE homework, right? If you're interested in focusing on developing habits, then you have to have homework. That is a way not only to influence the student, but maybe even to influence the home environment towards better, more healthy trends as well. That's amazing. Let's try to put a fine point on a few of those components of your curriculum. If you're to be asked, is it a PE curriculum? Is it a health curriculum? The answer is yes, right? It's both. Yes. So it could be used in a health course. It could be used in a PE class. It could be used by a homeroom teacher who just wants to help their students develop healthier habits. Totally. Yeah. We sit down with the school and then whatever their schedule, because it's especially private education, it's all so different, which is fine. And so we sit down and we help them with, hey, these aspects of the curriculum, let's use in the more health classroom type setting. These aspects, let's use more in the PE setting, or maybe they only have PE for these grades. And so we just all use it. So it really can be used for either or. We've had schools use it for great summer programs. We've asked schools use it for after school programs. We have schools use some of the warm up and the cool down stuff for sports team stuff. 
everything is there and it's super flexible. The way that we have it broken down and the four pillars that we have it broken down into, it's really easy to navigate and we help to pull it into the health and or PE. That sounds to me based on our conversation that the biblical integration is not just tacked on at the end, like here's the Bible verse to focus on, or here's the character trait. Maybe there is some of that, but it sounds like it's so inclusive. We're focusing on who we are as humans and our role as individuals in God's kingdom, which I think is really powerful. Totally. Yeah. Every one of the lessons is all biblically based. It's all teaching kids how to think rightly. And we do talk about stewardship. We do talk about how the life is in the blood. We talk about all these different principles that are all biblically based. We also have a devotional guide that goes along with each lesson that has a scripture that we walk through with a short explanation and expounding on the context and how that applies to our life. Also some discussion questions. So it's this really great approach. It's all biblically based. We also have some scriptural things and everything like that too. And we're going to provide a free devotional guide with this podcast episode. So our listeners should look for a link to that in the show notes. But tell us how you'd see educators use that either personally or with their students, or how can that devotional guide be used? Yeah, so it's two full resources that are actually in the curriculum. So one is the devotional guide. It's a 32 lesson, goes right along with the curriculum. It can be used separate. It makes sense outside of it too. So it's not like you're going to have to have the curriculum for it. It's that devotional guide that I just told you about. So that's the full devotional guide, scripture, references, explanation on how that applies, how to think rightly about that, the context, and then discussion slash response questions of how they can apply that into their life. So that's one thing that we give in that resource. And then on that same page, we give the nutrition guide too that has the simple framework for how to break down every meal with a little animated video that you can show and then send that home. So those are two pretty key aspects of the curriculum that we give away that you can just take. Those are really easy. It's super easy to implement into what you're doing. Even in class, you could start it today. Here's an idea. Would it be helpful for a group of teachers, the staff at a school, to work through that devotional guide, maybe a staff devotions, if they're trying to embrace a more healthy approach as a leadership team? Everything that we started with was with adults. So yeah. our four pillars of the curriculum the nutrition guide. Obviously, we simplified everything and communicated to kids, but all that stuff started is everything with adults. And so, yeah, everything with the devotional guide, with the nutrition. Oh my gosh. I have clients that come up to me years after I've trained them. They're like, hey, I'm still getting my four categories out of everything that we did, that we <laughs> talked about. It's so stupidly simple. It's not some diet thing. People are like, this is what you want me to do. And then they see results. It's so simple. And you can apply it anywhere in any season, whether you're a kid, adult, whatever. You could totally use this for adults for sure. Well, I go back to that stat that you shared at the beginning by 2030. Share that with us again. By 2030, 86.3% of adults are projected to be overweight or obese on a BMI scale. Wow. 86%. So 2030, that's not that far away. Let's beat the curve, right? Let's not become the statistic. We need to embrace that as educators. We need to help our students embrace that in their lives now so that they can have a life of influence and glorifying God into the future. So thanks for sharing with us what you do. Tell us quickly where people can go to get more information about your products and services. Yeah. So on that link that we'll share, you can get those free resources and then you can go to formcurriculum.com. So F-O-R-M curriculum.com. Then on that page, you can choose what type of education you're in. If it's homeschool education, if it's Christian education, if it's public or private education, you click on that and then it'll take you to the specific edition that would be relevant to you. So you can go learn about it. You can get free previews of all the content on there. We give all that away so you can get a temporary preview to actually 
go in and watch the content. So yeah, that's where you can go. And form is an acronym that stands for. Yeah. So F is for functional fitness. O is for optimal nourishment. R is for rest and recovery. And then M is for multiplied maintenance. What we teach in the curriculum is that in itself is a framework in every season of your life. As long as we have a good form of movement and functionally moving and partnering with how our bodies made, as long as we have a simple routine and frameworks around what we need to be eating and eating the right amounts, as long as we have a simple routine around our sleep and our rest and our posture and stress management, things like that, that we teach in the curriculum, as long as we have a good form of that. And then multiply maintenance is all about how we apply all of that and having the right people around us, having the right goals set, preparing ourselves in the right ways. Even that in and of itself is a simple checklist of, hey, in this season, what's my movement? What's my nutrition look like? It's all a framework. If you had the opportunity to share with any educator about the importance of lifelong health, what would you tell them? I would say that God is wanting to bring revival to their health and that whatever their past experiences have been, whatever failures they may have seen, whatever struggles they've had for however many years, whether it's with health education or whether it's with their personal health, there's grace for that. God wants to help them to steward their body because here's the thing. We all want to do great things for God. Usually it's not, oh, I just want to sit back and do not like we all want to do great things and have a great impact for God, for the kingdom and for our students. It doesn't matter how much we want that. If we wake up every morning and we're exhausted, we're tired, our back's in pain, whatever. We just won't physically be able to do those things. God wants to bring revival to your health. You can do all of the things that he's called you to do if you take care of the body that he's given you. And also you're an example for your students. I remember going into school, a lot of my teachers before class, they're drinking a whole Mountain Dew and eating a Snickers bar and then starting to teach. That's all I saw. And again, it's not that it's bad and you can't do that ever, that it's morally wrong, but how can we be an example for these students, not just in English or math, but for a life that's lived fully dedicated to the Lord. And so that's what I would say. Ashton, thanks for being with us today. I appreciate your passion for helping people be as healthy as possible. And I'm also a little bit convicted by it. So thanks for sharing. I appreciate that. And thanks for what you're doing. It's great having you today. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for dropping by the Curriculum Track Teachers Lounge today. We hope this conversation helped you feel more connected to like-minded educators and provided you with a thought, an idea, or even just a smile as you seek to do all that you can for all of your students. If you found this conversation to be helpful, do us a favor and rate this podcast. Also be sure to share it with others. We would be grateful to hear from you with any ideas, questions, or thoughts that you may have. You can find ways to connect with us at curriculumtrack.com.